This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's and they're not finishing. Good. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 53 of TLDR Podcast. We are officially in year two or season two of this podcast. And in honor of that, we are missing two people today. Um, James and Eric both are uh, gone for the podcast today. But we still have myself, Trayden, and Alex here. And we're going to talk playoff hockey we're gonna talk playoff basketball and we're gonna sprinkle a little bit of little baseball there at the end so it'll be a good full podcast good content um just just the three of us today so this might be the lowest turnout we've had i think of all the history of tldr and it's so but that's okay you know um so let's check in with the boys real quick trade in how are you doing game one of stanley cup final starts tonight how are you liking the game so far what's up Good stuff. Uh, I mean, the, ho- the hockey's good. I, I have to say the, the matchup was, I mean, unconventional, I would say. I mean, I get at least one side of the of the ledger, right? Um, the other side, I think we all have agreed on this podcast for the last 53 weeks that, or 52 weeks, that Tampa Bay is the best team in the league, and they just continue to show that. Um, but I'm good, man. It's good. Uh, it's only a 2-1 game going to the third. So, you know, it, the Habs are staying in there. Yeah, they just they just keep grinding away. Uh, Alex, you're going to be coming down to SoCal this weekend. Uh, we're very excited to hang out. Um, but how you doing? How's your week been? What's up? The week's been good. I've uh, been really busy. It's very warm here. Um, I think it was like 108 today. So it's uh, it was a lot of indoor, indoor time for Alex today. Um, didn't have to work. So that was kind of nice. But uh, yeah, we're chugging along. Um, I'm excited to come down next weekend, see all the boys. Apparently, I'm told I'm going to see Tyler and Trade and play pretty amateur hockey. I was oh, not yeah. informed about until about 12, 12 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it'll, it'll be great. I'm excited to come uh, come see you guys. Yeah, it's high-level hockey. It's almost the same level as the Stanley Cup final right now. So, And you get to go for free. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it's pretty cool. kind of a big deal. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of a big deal. When you have like, when you have like 40-year-old men almost puking because they haven't played hockey in 18 yeah. months. That, that, that's going to be me 100%. So it'll be great. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to have a great podcast for you guys coming up. Uh, we're going to take a quick break where we come back. Uh, let's, we're going to keep talking about that hockey. Uh, the Stanley Cup final started tonight on Monday, and Trayden is going to break it all down for us. Welcome back, everybody. The 2021 Stanley Cup final between the Montreal Canadiens and Tampa Bay Lightning started tonight in Tampa Bay. Trade in. Let's talk about it. What do we got? All right, boys. Look, 
as I mentioned in the in the intro, we have kind of an unconventional like uh, matchup. I would say um, we're gonna start. Actually, we're gonna start in what they would considered the West. Um, and I, I use air quotes because something crazy happened. I don't, no one's talking about this and I'm the only one that texted about it. No one responded. And yeah, so yeah, let's talk about that. So Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, the winner of the North division upset the Vegas golden Knights in six games. Uh, you know, Tyler, we, we both, did, I mean, I guess I flipped, um, but you just couldn't believe that, that, that it could happen. You had the Vegas, you had Vegas winning the cup. So did I. Uh, and sure enough, they, they, they complete the upset. And I want to talk about this because no one's talking about it. The Canadians won the Clarence, Cal- Clarence Campbell trophy. If anybody knows what that means, that is awarded to the Western conference finalist. And, you know, I, I didn't know if they would hand out this trophy because all the divisions are kind of fucked up. Like this, this isn't really Western conference final. I don't know. I, I didn't really know how they would go about that. But sure enough, the Montreal Canadiens took a picture around the Clarence Campbell Trophy, the Western Conference Trophy, the first time in their history, and might I add, the only time in their history that they will ever win that trophy. And I just thought it was mind-blowing just to see that picture. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the end, Alex. I mean, I know it's kind of like a weird thing. I know it's kind of like a weird thing, but like what, you know... Do you, do you really take, I mean, what do you think about, first of all, what do you think about that? And what do you think about this Montreal Canadiens team upsetting the Vegas Golden Knights? I know you're happy about it. Talk to me about it. Yeah. So for them winning the Western Conference, um, for those of you who don't know, Montreal is on the Eastern side of Canada, North America, far, far away on the Eastern side from all of us who are currently sitting in California. So far away from us. <laughs> uh, so, and obviously Vegas, Western side of the United <laughs> States. So yeah, them winning the West is the West is really funny and just proves that, you know, whatever, it's a COVID year, it's weird as shit. I think it's funny. Like I think it's cool. Yeah, you know, they're an original six team. They've won the most Stanley Cups in the history of the NHL. And in 2021, they won their first Western conference. You know, like how like just what how a time to be alive. That, right? It's it's like from someone who doesn't like out of these last four teams like neither one of them were my team I was like whatever that's funny it's great (laughs) um I did technically pick the Vegas Golden Knights to win but I did that because I wanted Montreal to win because whenever I pick Vegas to lose they went it all worked it worked out great for me um you know they're a they're a huge underdog in this uh Stanley Cup final obviously but they are one of those teams and, you know, obviously they just won the Western conference final. So it's a weird season. I think they've got a real shot. Um, you know, they've played some up and down, you know, teams going through. Um, and this is obviously the best team they faced so far, but I think that their team chemistry and the way that they just swallow up the neutral zone. I think the Canadians have a good shot. Um, I don't really want Tampa to win back to back. And, you know, this was the, the Canadians could be the first um, Canadian team to win since the year I was born, 1993. And that'd be kind of cool. So I'm, I'm going all Montreal on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, I can't say I was not shocked. I, I was quite shocked that it turned out this way. Um, I, I do think it's really cool. I, you know, this is the most storied franchise in history, in NHL history. They, I mean, re- if you really look at the history of the NHL, 
they were the original team and even the five beyond a part of the original six were expansion teams. The Montreal is started it all. And, and they finally win. like, just add more to the resume, you know, 24 cups, the Clarence Campbell trophy. It's just absurd. Tyler, I want to park some time really quick on um, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights really quick. What does this team need to do to figure it out in the playoffs? This is, you know, three, it was a three playoffs now that they just might be four now that they just, you know, come up short in the, in the end game. I mean, yeah, they can make it to the end game, but they can't finish, you know, they can't get in the finals or if they get in the finals, they just lose their scoring. What does this team need to do? You know, as a, as a Dodger fan, I know the struggle of being in the playoffs for so long and just not being able to finish the job. And sometimes you just don't have the answer for it. You can do everything right on paper. The, the, the front office can do their job. The players can do their job. The coaching staff can do their job. But when it comes to the fine details of the postseason, sometimes it just comes down to luck. Mm-hmm. And you can't control luck. And I think the, the Vegas Golden Knights have not – and when it comes to the end, have not had the best luck. I think they've put great teams on the ice. I would say the one thing that they probably need to improve on, which I feel like is kind of a, a constant for them, is scoring. I think that they their, their offense is very – it's very um, up and down. So it, it, the consistent scoring has been the issue for this team. And it seems that, you know, I think they've tried to address that, but I think they need to go a different way about it. Um, but I mean, I honestly thought this Vegas Nice Golden team was one of the best teams that they've assembled on probably maybe since their first season um, when they had, you know, a, a lot of those guys that were all clicking. Um, but it's one I for me, I think it's one of those things you, you just don't give up. Don't break it down. They're so close. If they just keep building and keep building on their strengths and they keep, you know, uh, pounding a great winning culture, they will want will they will win one eventually. But I don't like it when teams, you know, try hard for two or three years. It doesn't work out and then they just scrap it. Yeah. I think obviously it, there's, that's, there's a lot of complications to that from the, from the business side of things. So I don't know where the, where the Knights are on that side of it. But I feel like from a competitive standpoint, just keep pushing. Just keep building on, on what you have. Keep, keep building on your strengths. And eventually you will get over that hump and you will win it all. But that's my opinion. Um, I think maybe some Golden Knights fans might think differently. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I think for me, it's definitely scoring. I think defensively, they're very solid. I think goaltending is pretty solid. They have obviously had a few issues there late, but I think that Leonard and Andre Fleury, depending on what he does, um, I think is a great tandem. Um, it, it maybe add some depth there and just, just find, just find a couple more scores that are more consistent. Maybe not the flashy ones that are up and down, but just consistent scoring, I think is what they need. Yeah. Uh, well, to, to kind of give you an idea of where this team is at from the ownership standpoint, Bill Foley obviously is the owner. He, he's the, he is on the board of the Fidelity National Finance, like the, the f- investment firm. And he has said multiple times he wants a cup immediately. He wanted one three years ago. So they don't even give it. Like they'll do anything. If you see the way they, they make their moves, they'll do anything to get into the Stanley Cup. They'll, they'll bench Marc-Andre Fleury for a game just, you know, because, or they'll bench Leonard just because like, it's just, it's just the kind of thing that they do. Mark stone, I think played like 15 minutes in game seven. That's the captain. I mean, they don't give a shit. They don't, if you're not playing, you're not, you're not, if you're not playing well, you're not playing at all. Yeah. They're, they're, Uh, they're playing the definition of go big or go home. 
Yes. And, they, and, and is that Vegas though? I mean, that's Vegas, yeah, that's yeah. Vegas lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like that's what they do. It's a, it's a risky game to play cap wise though. Oh, oh they're just, they, it's like it, I, every single time they sign one of these guys, I'm like, how do they have cap space left? Like every single, I don't right. pay a ton of attention to cap space. Like that's, you know, it's too, uh, too tight of a thing to look at, but like, when they signed Petrangelo, I was like, how are they doing this? Like, how would they have all this cap space? Yeah. And eventually, these guys are going to get old, and it's <laughs> going to be tough. <laughs> like, well, if the, they don't win the next couple of years, they're going to have to dump all these guys, try again. It's going to be – It's going to be tough. It's going to be um, iffy. Th- th- this team, you know, so- something that I've really noticed, if you look at the final two teams here, compared to the Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights have very good goaltending. They have – one of the best D squads in the league that actually, I think any of them can compare to what's up there and the wingers are our top tier, right? The players down the middle though, are give me question. And it really, it really, you know, leads me to think that you do, you need to build down the middle if you're looking to play. I mean, let's look at, let's look at Tampa Bay. They got, you know, they got um, Kucherov, they got Stamkos, I mean, I, I, that's the, that's your top two centers and the top two centers in Vegas are Marcia. So who's, who's solid, but then you get Chandler Stevenson, you got Nicholas Wah. Like these guys are just not household names down the middle and the, the games just play down the middle. I mean, that's, you have to build that way. And they, and they spent so much money on the wings, which is like the opposite of a team like, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, for example. I mean, we have all the, the depth down the middle, but none of the depth on the wings. So, um, you know, it, it, but it just it just shows you that you need depth down the middle to make it work. And I agree with you, Tyler, you need to find scoring. Um, but we'll talk about them a little bit uh, later in, in the summer when I kind of do some recap in the offseason. Um, we've talked about the Canadians. Alex, just really quick. Something I do worry about is, is the top line of this team has only, you know, I think it's like four goals or five goals all postseason. And then you look at the other side, Tampa Bay's top line has, I mean, uh, Braden point went on a nine game scoring streak. Kucherov is two goals away from, you know, uh, from meeting a record that the likes of Gretzky, you know, you know, scoring over 30 points in, in consecutive postseasons. Yeah there's a huge mismatch here. I mean, do you worry about the, do you worry about that? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it's a complete uh, uphill battle for the Habs. There's no question about it. Um, you know, say what you want about Tampa and them being a villain with them being 17 mil or whatever it is over the cap playoff bullshit, whatever you want to say about that. Um, but yeah, like the Habs have been winning due to unbelievable goaltending by your favorite goalie, other than Bobrovsky, Carey Price. Um, and depth and young scoring, you know, Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Tyler Tafoli is somehow like a veteran now in my mind, but he's still yeah, pretty young. Crazy. Um, it's, yeah. And they don't have, they don't have Kucherov, Stamkos, Point. They don't have those guys. But obviously, you know, they went through Toronto. They went through Winnipeg. They went through Vegas. They can keep up with these guys. Um, but they're, I mean, their whole, their motto all season has just been the team. They, I think they play as a team, especially now. I mean, you see it, they had the best, what is it like 
20 plus penalty kills in a row mm-hmm. or something like that. You don't do that if you're not playing as one. I mean, especially against the Tampa, um, you know, power play unit, which is one of the best I've ever seen. It's <laughs> insane. Um, so yeah, their top, their top line is going to need to score if they want to keep up with the scoring that Tampa is going to going to show, even with Carey Price, Price playing at an unbelievable level you're going to need scoring from your top. You're going to need scoring from all four lines realistically to have a shot. Um, because this, this, I mean, this Tampa team is just dirty, but yeah. uh, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about the scoring, especially they're now facing, you know, we've talked about this a million times. I mean, probably the best goalie in the league right now in Vasilevsky. Um you know, say what you want about Toronto, the Toronto goalie situation. They got through Hellebuck. They beat Hellebuck in four games. He just, but as we, you know, talked about then, he just forgot how to play goalie or something. I don't know. Um, and then they got through the tandem of Flurry and Leonard, which is, you know, probably the best two goalies on one single team in the league right now. And now, and then they get rewarded by getting the possible Vesna winner in Vasilevsky. So good luck, Canadians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, I want to ask you both um, this question. Who who do you give the edge to goaltending wise? I mean, both have very similar save percentages. And I mean, I, I don't know about the, I'll check the, the goals against just really quick. Um, goalie in the playoffs, 2.02 for Carey Price, 1.99 for, for uh, Vasilevsky. I mean, literally you're looking at stats that are, that mirror each other. <laughs> but the team in front of them is very different. So, I mean, I know that that means something. So who do you give the edge for goaltending wise when, you know, who's, who do you trust more to make those saves at this point? Those saves that, you know, the team just can't, you know, what the team does, there's always saves and shots that need to be saved. They're big saves. Who, who do you trust more here? I'll start with Tyler. Yeah. I think one of the underrated things about this series is how amazing this goaltending matchup is like, like, I know Vasilevsky has his cup and he's been probably late last two or three seasons been, you know, regarded as one of the best, if not the best goaltender in hockey. Carey Price obviously has had a longer career of being great. Hasn't won a cup yet, but I mean, you just mentioned those stats. I mean, these guys are neck and neck in terms of how great they are. Um, I think that's an underrated thing going into this, in this final is, you know, I don't, you know, you could say it might come down to the goaltending, like who's going to be just, you know, that, tiny little bit better who's gonna make that one extra save that's gonna create the difference and, 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 and it might come down to that you know um off the top I'm, I'm gonna give the slight edge to price just because i feel like he's the guy that's been carrying this canadians team and is gonna be i think he takes that load and goes with it versus vasilevsky as great as he is he's got so much to work with with that lightning team like they have they're so well they're so well-rounded where it's like the Canadians, I mean, they're, they're, they have other pieces, but not, they're not nearly as complete as the lightning. So it's like, they depend on price so mm-hmm. much. Um, and I think price takes that on and he does a great job of carrying that burden. So I think I'm gonna go with price on this one. So, I mean, it's close, man. It's like point flip. What about you, Alex? I'm going to go Vasilevsky, but I agree. I coming into this playoffs, I mean, any, any, I feel like any one of us would have been like, oh, wow, we'd really take Vasilevsky on our team or whatever team we were rooting for. I mean, think about what Edmonton could be if they had a Vasilevsky-esque goalie. 
or like what Toronto could be if they had a Vasilevsky-esque goalie. Like, I'm going to give it to him, but, you know, we might hear a little bit later my admiration for Price. Um, I, I, what you, what you said, Tyler, about how much, I mean, he's already got Victor Hedman in front of him, the best defenseman in the league, you know, and as good as Vasilevsky is, the way that hockey works, the how good your defense is in front contributes to how what your save percentage is, how many shots you're facing, all of that. I mean, I'm going to give it to Vasilevsky on like based off of what pretty much what you said. The team in front of him is better, so he's not going to have to face as much. He doesn't have the the firepower. Of the Canadians is much different than the firepower of the Lightning. So I'm going to give it to Vasilevsky, but Carey Price is. I think been the best player in the playoffs so far. Yeah. Um, and we're, we'll be getting to, to the best player in the playoffs pretty soon here. Um, just my two cents on it. Uh, Carey Price has been sensational this postseason. He was not sensational in the regular season, as I mentioned, and we've mentioned on the podcast, but his postseason play has been to James's point quite amazing. Uh, but I look at Vasilevsky and I actually look at Victor Hedman's, he took a step back this season defensively like he and and that's really let Vasilevsky really shine through I mean he has Vasilevsky hasn't missed a beat even if his def- defense which is still Victor Hedman I mean I'm not saying that he's he's dog shit but he's not what he was last season he's not a con smite winner now and Vasilevsky's still you know keeping them in it you know very I mean there there's no issues right so I have to give the just because Vasilevsky's done this this whole season he, I wouldn't it'd be shocked if he didn't win the uh or if, if he hasn't won the Vesna. I don't know if they've announced it yet I don't think they have um I'd be shocked if he hasn't won it if he doesn't win it he's been doing this all season and and continues through this postseason so I I give the 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 nod to him however that is not to disrespect Carey Price and what he's done to this team he is the Montreal Canadiens and I and we mentioned this last week you know, if there's any player who deserves a Stanley cup, it's this guy. And I'll be so happy for him if he does win it. Um, he's won everything else. And um, that that's the last one that he has. That's the last thing that's, you know, that's the last feather in his cap he needs. Um, before we move on to con Smythe winners, and then the ultimately talking about the, who we think is going to win. Do you guys have any other thoughts or, or, or um, you know, things about this series that, you know, intrigue you or that you want to talk about? I mean, I would just say, you know, obviously I was looking forward to the Knights against the Lightning. So initially I was a little disappointed, but I mean, the way the first game's going, I think it's going to be great. And then everyone loves that David versus Goliath kind of story. And I think that's kind of what this whole Stanley Cup final is about. So I'm looking forward to a great uh, cup final. Love it. Alex? Agreed. I'm hoping this, I'm not ready for it to be over. Um, So I'm hoping we get seven games. So we get, you know, at least seven more hockey games before we have a, you know, four month break or whatever it is. So, um, agree. David versus Goliath. Just you know, or do we get a second back to back Stanley Cup champion in the last, you know, de- what decade and a little bit? Um, which would be or like yeah, like half a decade. What are they yeah, like? Penguins yeah. won in fifteen and sixteen or sixteen and seventeen, whatever it was. Um, I don't know. It's gonna be a great series. I'm excited. Yeah. Um. Just really quick, guys. I mean, in, in the cap era, 
I mean, th there's been plenty of back to backs in the past prior to the cap era. And it's only happened once. Do you think a back to back in the cap era is worth more than before the cap era? Like, would you consider it like I know this kind of weird thought, but do you consider it like worth three cups in a row or four cups in a row because it's you're so constrained to a cap? I mean, I guess unless you're Tampa, who's, you know, playing by playing by the rules, although, you know, exploiting them a little bit. For me, I think, yeah. And part of that is we're gaining teams as we go along. Like I read some stat on Montreal specifically, all 24 of their um, Stanley Cups happened before uh, 95 or 96, whenever we gained prior to Vegas, gained the last six teams or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just again, we're a huge math podcast. So just based on math, it's harder to win now because there's more teams and you have to, you have a budget. You can't just be the Yankees or the Dodgers and just give whoever you want as much money as you goddamn feel like. Um, so yeah, I think it's harder. And I think winning a back-to-back -back in this era is crazy impressive. Yeah, I agree. It's hard because, you know, it's, I don't really remember a pre-cap hockey time. So it's hard for me as a, you know, younger person to like kind of compare the two but yeah on paper I would say it definitely seems a lot harder because you have so much more restraints to what you can do as a franchise um you can't like as Alex mentioned you can't just sign I mean I know baseball is like that so you typically you see like the same five or six teams one of those five or six teams at one time is usually dominating baseball right like right now it's the Dodgers you know the, the Red Sox not too long ago were that the, the, the Yankees before that like these are like the the you know the top 10 teams in the league that one of those teams is dominating because they have that kind of money to to be able to do that versus hockey it's just you know i feel like every two years there's a new dominant team so yeah i, I think it's definitely more impressive to do it in a, in a cap restricted uh league i i know we're we're you know we're going a little long but i i this bodes this bodes some question i meant to ask you guys and you know we, we we're, we're okay uh with time we're going to talk about it <laughs> Talking about, you know, the, the best GM gets gets picked every year, right? And, you know, you guys talk about you, going back to back is very tough because you have to manage a budget. Do you think it is harder for a GM to maintain a team such as Tampa Bay or build a team as like we saw with Florida who went from rags to riches? What's harder to do and what's more impressive to you in this day and age? My initial thought is I think it's harder. I feel like to build a team just because it's, I think you're working with pieces that you don't know how they're going to mold together. And I think that is so finicky, you know, cause you can on paper pick guys that are great at hockey, a great goaltender, a great defenseman, a great, but how are they going to gel on the ice? Like that, that is so such a feel thing. And you just don't know what you're going to get until it happens. You know, and I think when it comes to the opposite of keeping a team together, that's just keeping everyone happy, which is also a challenge. But I feel like one that's a little bit more controllable, I feel like, versus like, I think building a team, yeah, you have the building blocks to do that. But I think it can be very finicky. I think it's a little more fragile than it is to actually keep a team together. But I don't know. Alex, what do you think? I'm actually going to, I'm going to disagree. Um and I'm going to use two examples of why I disagree looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins 
they won back-to-back cups in, again, whatever I said, 15, 16, 16, 17. I can't remember whatever years they were. And then the Vegas um, expansion draft happened, and they had to make a decision. Do we keep Marc-Andre Fleury or do we keep Matt Murray, who just led them to one of those titles? They chose wrong, uh, let Fleury go, and now the Penguins have been garbage. If they had, like, I mean, they've, they've been good, but, like, I don't think they've made it past the second round since then. And they've got, you know, probably a top 10 player of all time in Sidney Crosby. Um, you know, they, they've got legit players on that team. They should be better. And then looking at Colorado now, they're going to have to – they're in a sticky situation, too, with their budget, McKinnon – ranting in they've got to pay their captain Langus Landeskog um they're gonna have to give Kale McCarr like literally as much money as he wants and then does that mean that they lose Philip Grubauer because they can't afford him even though he's a Vesna final trophy winner I mean he's probably not gonna win um but still you know he was incredible I think Building it, I mean, they're both tough, obviously, but building it is easy. I mean, look at Vegas. It was easy. They made it to the cup final in their first year. And now, and then keeping, I mean, look at what Tampa had to do this year to keep their team. I mean, it kind of lucked out that Kutrop needed hip surgery, but in the budget aspect of it all, I mean, choosing which guys to keep and not just based off performance, but like, you know, if you let whomever go and then the rest of the team just fucking hates you for letting that dude go brutal so i you know i'm gonna i think it's just i'm gonna go with i think it's harder to keep a team together and competitive during this during the cap era just because these you know you only have so much money yeah i mean it it is just a question that popped up in one of my podcasts and, and I wanted you guys' take on it. And I look at it this way. I look at it on Tyler's standpoint. It's, you know, you, you have, you, you probably have a lot of money to work with a build with a build, right? You're, you're, you, you're kind of looking at it from really the hockey side in that, are these guys going to work out? Are these guys going to meld there? There's some risk there and it's tough. You're looking at the other way and you don't have much room and you have to be creative with, with, with in with you know finding maybe replacing players or keeping the players that you currently have, you know it, it, it'll forever be the debate when whenever the new the, the GM of the year gets uh, gets picked, you have kind of a miss uh, a mixed match of player of, of GMs you know like the like at like in Florida that you know went from great some shitty to great, and then you know uh, you know like the Carolina Hurricanes or or the Tampa Bay Lightning who have had to who you know have had two solid years two solid years in a row, and t- if Tampa Bay wins you know, this year and then have to deal with all the cap issues next year. If they're this good again, and they make it to the finals, I mean, you have to, you have to think that that, that GM is one of the best in the league. Right. So it, it, it's just, I just wanted to have that, have that discussion, but let's move on quickly to the, uh, to who we think is going to win the con Smythe. Obviously it goes to the MVP of the playoffs, not necessarily just the finals, like, like in basketball, but it, I, I think a lot of it is boiled down to the finals, but you know, we have an idea who we think is going to win. And we're going to start with Alex. Let's say, you know, pick your, pick your con Smythe for, for each, uh, each team here. Okay. Yeah. So for the Canadians, I mean, it's Carey Price. There's not, I mean, no what way. else we need to say? Carey Price. 
No debate. For the Tampa Bay Lightning, I feel like it's between two guys, and I'm going to go with Kucherov. I don't really want to, but I'm going to um, because, what I mean, what he's done after, you know, being out all season and then having this incredible postseason run, this, I feel like a lot of the Kong Smythe is sort of the story behind it. It's not mm-hmm. always – it's not always the highest point scorer or, you know, it's sort of the guy that led your team. Um, and I think Kucherov probably other than Braden Point, who was the other guy I was considering, um, I'm going to go Kucherov for the lightning. Um, but I'm picking Carey Price overall. Got it. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, Carey, if the, if the Canadians win, uh, Carey Price for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually going to go Braden Point on this one. I just think what he's done in the postseason. obviously you're only considering this postseason, but even the last few postseasons, he's such a great postseason performer. Um, and he's done in a, another incredible job. Um, and then this postseason, I think Braden point deserves that con Smythe, but, uh, I mean, obviously Kucherov too. I mean, coming, like you mentioned, just, you know, it's like, you never miss any time at all, you know, plug him back in and he's the same Kucherov as we, as, as, as we've seen, but, I'm going to give the edge to Braden Point. Interesting debate. I mean, on the Montreal side, I mean, Carey Price would be my pick, obviously. Uh, I have to give I have to give a tip my hat to the close runner-up in Cole Caulfield, I think, as a rookie to come in in the playoffs and absolutely do what you're doing, especially when you weren't even br- brought in until, I believe, the fourth game. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Uh, I, I, I have to, you know, I tip my hat to you, kid. Um, you're you're, you're a, a star in, in the making. On the other side, I, I, I think I would give the the nod to Braden point if only because you know he he go he he goes on a you know nine goal streak nine game goal streak he has he's shooting about 32 percent right now he's a third rounder guys he was picked 79th overall like you don't really know what you're getting at third over third round I mean he's not the he's not the flashiest during the regular season but his postseason performance is amazing I don't, I think you can go with either one. Um, and I think you'd be fine. The con Smythe odds actually have Andre Vasilevsky, uh, winning. Uh, and I mean, that, that's not a bad pick either. <laughs> so I think you could pick any of those three. Um, so we have a little bit of difference of opinion. We'll ask the, we'll ask the boys next week, the other boys, what they think. Um, but to end my segment, um, let's talk about who's going to win Alex. Yeah, I want Montreal to win. Um, I'm going to pick Tampa in six, but Carey Price is still going to win the Conn Smythe <laughs> as the losing, as the losing team. Big, um, big, uh, big, yeah. Um, but I'm going to go Tampa. I'm going to go Tampa in six. Uh, I just think it's, they're just too good right now. All right, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Canadians here. I've been rooting against them all postseason. Everyone loves an underdog story. This team reminds me a lot of a certain team that we all love and adore from 2012, right? The eighth seed coming on to win and beat all these big, big boys to take home, home, home Lord Stanley. I'm going to go Canadians in seven. They're currently down 4-1 here in the third period, but they also lost game one in the Vegas series, like five to five to one or something crazy. So this team can bounce back. So it's still going to be a good series. So I'm going to go Canadians in seven. They could. They they lost game one in the first series. They actually down you know three one in the in that series too, yeah. In the whole series, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Tampa Bay. I I just I, I just think that the Habs have met their match here. Just 
just for the fact that Tampa can play any way you want. If you want to play a hard-hitting 1-0 game, let's play a fucking 1-0 hard-hitting game. You guys want to play a 6-7 a, a shootout? Let's fucking play a 6-7 shootout. They can do that. And there's not very – and a team that can do that generally does well. That being said, Toffoli, and, Toffoli playing well and, and uh, um, Carey Price playing you know, extremely well does have reminiscence of the – this would have been the 2014 Kings, I guess. I don't think Toffoli was that 20, wasn't on that 2012 team, but uh, it does have a little bit of kings S to it, so I could see your, 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 uh, your inkling there, Tyler. Yeah. Well, um, next week we're going to have a good idea where this series go, is going. Hopefully it goes the distance. Um, we're not going to be ha- having hockey every single day, which really breaks my heart, but – it's that part of the season, boys. Um, I'm very excited for it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this, you know, last preview of the last series of 2021. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you, Traden. We're going to enjoy these last, hopefully, seven games of the season. It's going to be a great cup final. Uh, Traden, great as always. Uh, real quick, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go to the other sport that's currently in its playoff. Uh, and the NBA. Alex is going to take us through the NBA segment when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. We're in our second segment of the day. We're talking NBA basketball playoffs. Uh, we got the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals and their actual East and West Conferences. Unlike hockey, that's all over the map so we're our geography is back to normal um so alex is gonna we're about halfway through each series so alex what do you got yeah let's uh let's start in the east since the western conference final is going on as we speak so i'm kind of hoping we'll get some clarification kind of by the time we get there probably not but um in the east so atlanta milwaukee um it's currently 2-1 to the milwaukee bucks atlanta came out and won game one um kind of a shocker and then Milwaukee just destroyed Atlanta at game two and then a really tough matchup in game three. Um, unfortunately for the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young hurt his ankle during game three. He came back, played a little bit, did not look the same. Um, currently, at least last that I saw, is questionable for game four. So let's start with that. Um, unfortunately, with the NBA this year, it's been all about injuries. Um, the quick turnaround, the bubble, now they're traveling again, you know, shortened season, trying to get games in, trying to get the season through just so many injuries to star players. Um, so trading, let's start, let's start with you. Um, Trey young, even if he, let's say he plays game four, probably not going to be a hundred percent. If you're questionable the day before, if he's at let's 80%. What chance do the Hawks have of tying this series up? And if he's more hurt than that, do, do they even – I mean, I don't want to really say this, but, like, do they even have a shot? Or is just this Bucks team too good? Yeah. Um, you know, I mo- most of our discussions in, on the basketball segments, I really look at the stats of the series. And I'm looking at this series alone. I'm not looking at the past series. I'm looking at this series alone. And the drop-off from Trey Young in terms of scoring per game is – precipitous it's half guys big word and, big word and big word <laughs> and but and it's a big word to, for a big meaning because it's true i mean yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about 30 almost 33 points a game down to 15.7 
16 points versus 33, that's less than half. And so assuming Trey Young is at 80%, I mean, he, what, he's going to score 25, 22? And if, if, the, if you have no one to back you up, you're playing against a Chris Middleton who's finally starting to find his his groove. I mean, he had a great he had a great game uh, last game. Um, Giannis is Giannis. I mean, he's not he's not putting up Trey Young numbers, but you know, he's still Giannis. Uh, look, guys, I, I I think I think that I think that the Bucks, you know, kind of smartened up after Game One. You know, blowing them out and then coming back from from I think it was a twenty point deficit in that third game. Right, I believe it was 20, mm-hmm. 20 points. Yeah, it's not it just shows close, yeah. that the Bucks just—I just think that they have it all. You know, have it all going for them right now. They're just a better. They're just a better team. Um, and you know, I and it sucks because the Hawks were so were such a team that we all wanted to get behind. And uh, unfortunately, this game is just different than hockey in that, you know, I don't find a way. I don't see a way how the Hawks could grind it out against. Giannis, uh, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. You know, I just don't, uh, unfortunately. And to see, and the, my heart really breaks for Trey Young because I think that we, I, I don't think anybody on this planet could have, you know, wished that, you know, on a better guy. I mean, this, this is one of the, this guy is, is, is such an inspiration. Uh, he, you know, he's young and he's taken this team on his back. Uh, and, you know, what a guy. And I really hope that he gets to play the next game. Um, and the game after that, because I think it's going to be over in the next two. I, I, I hate to say that, but I think it is. Um, but I, I would love to see him play two more games because guy, I think that he's the heart and soul of that team. Um, but I just don't think they have it, guys. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I just, again, something we talk about on this podcast all the time. The NBA is such a star, you know, led league. We, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said that on, on this podcast. And Fort Atlanta Trey Young's your best player. There's not really a doubt about it. Um, and if he's not leading that team and leading that offense, um, they're in trouble for sure. Um, and this Bucks team is deep. They have a lot of length. They have a lot of good defenders. They have a lot of depth scoring. They can sh- if they shoot it if they shoot well, they're pretty much unbeatable. Um, you know. It's, it's tough. I hope he plays. And, you know, coming back from a 3-1 deficit is pretty tough. So, even though, say he misses game four and they lose and they're down, you know, Atlanta's down 3-1. Um, that's, you know, it's only happened a handful of times in the NBA. NBA, NBA history, you've come back from 3-1. So, um, Tyler, moving on to the Bucks side, you know, say what you will. They kind of a little bit lucked out with the Nets and their injuries. And now Trey Young is hurt and the Atlanta side same question I think we asked game before game five of the semis like is this the Bucks to lose now like is this just okay move on we're making the NBA finals yeah 100% I mean it's, it's kind of the same kind of deja vu just with a different team I mean you got to be able to win these win these games with the other team star out. You just have to like it. You have to win it. And the Bucks have looked. I think, you know, like you said, say what you will. Well, because the other team didn't have their stars, they have. I think the last five or six games or so have looked a lot better. You know, and I think I think it's more than just the other team stars not being there. I think they have been playing a much more well-rounded basketball, more Bucks basketball that we've gone we, that we've come to know. 
Um, so I think for me, it's, it's theirs to lose. Um, like make no mistake about it. Like the Hawks have been playing very good basketball and they've gotten, con- they've gotten contributions from a lot of different players, but the reasons why the Hawks have gotten this far is because of Trey Young, like no question. So if they don't have Trey Young, the Hawks ain't going anywhere. And the Bucks, all the Bucks have to do is just play their game and not worry about anything else. And they're going to win it like that's, you know, so it's, if they lose it without the Hawks having Trey Young, like I said, like I, like I mentioned, we, we mentioned this with them playing the Nets without, you know, Ir- without Irving and Harden, like that is going to be a huge blow to that franchise. Um, but I like the way the Bucks have looked the, the first or the last two games, games two and three right now. It just, to me, seems like it's, it's, I don't want to say it's in the bag because it's, that's in the sports world. It's you, you can't guarantee anything, but as we stand here right now, it, it, it's looking pretty good for the, the, the Bucks right now. Yeah. And you know, you, it's, it's just like any other sport. You got to capitalize when you have a chance. Yeah. If you don't, you'll lose. Like even with Trey Young out, the guys, the guys on the Hawks, like they're professional basketball players. Like they are the top, 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 top percentage of the world in NBA and basketball players. Like they you know, they're not just going to be some pushovers. So like, don't, you know, don't sleep on the Hawks. They could still definitely win. Um, I mean, look at this Clippers team. Kawhi's been out the last two weeks, and they're in the Western Conference Finals, and he's their best player. Um, I saw something today about the Bucks that I wanted to ask you guys about. I can't remember who tweeted it, so sorry to whoever said this. Like, no credit or whatever. But I saw this, and I was like, no way. And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, okay, maybe Chris Middleton is Batman. Giannis Antetokounmpo is his Robin because Chris Middleton is the closer. I was watching the end of game three. It was a close game and Giannis can't touch the ball because they'll do the Ben Simmons shack, hack a, hack a shack, hack a Ben, hack a Giannis thing because he can't make free throws. Chris Middleton, I think draw. 20 in the fourth quarter or 20 in the second half closed out game three is just is Chris Middleton already a like the best player on the Bucks team after but there's a two-time MVP on the Bucks. what like what do you guys think about that oh, man it that it, like you said I think initially you're like wait a second hold on like that can't be true but then when you think about it I mean, he might be the one running the show, right? Batman runs the show. He's the one with all the cool gadgets and you put Robin out there to distract <laughs> whoever, right? So, uh, shit, I might agree with that. I don't know, Trayden, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. Let's take Giannis, <laughs> let's take Giannis off the Bucks. Are the Bucks here? Are the Bucks as good as they are? I, 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 I don't think so. If you take, who, who makes, the question is, who makes a bigger impact? You take Chris Middleton off the team, how does the team look? You take Giannis off the team, how does the team look? It's like saying, you know, take Batman or take Robin off. I mean, it's just, it's tough. I don't know that you could say that, you know, with a straight face. <laughs> now, I will say this in the playoffs, though. Playoffs are different. I even see, you're even seeing it in the, in the, in postseason basketball. Some players just don't quite have it. You know, I don't know if it's a mental thing for Giannis or something. I'm not saying he's Ben Simmons, but he has an issue with free throws. And I don't know if he's always had an issue with free throws. But at 60%, that's not very solid. That's not good. I mean, I, I look, I, I shit when I watch basketball, I shit on anybody missing a free throw. I don't understand how the fuck you miss a free throw. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, but I just don't get it. Uh, as a, but hey, that's beside the point. Uh, we won't want to get into that. Um, but you know, I I think that it's a bigger impact if you take Giannis off the team than if you take Chris Middleton off the team. Um, just in the makeup. Now together, yeah, you can you can see maybe in 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 playoffs you can see some of that you know Batman Robin mentality and and I, and maybe that's how it, it it does play out towards the end of a game because I, I from what I hear I don't think Giannis is much of a clutch guy, you know. Oh, he's not, he, he's not. Um, and that's fine. You don't need to be and still be a fantastic basketball player. Um, I just think that on the long run, like the long term, you take Giannis off the team, it hurts them a lot more than if you take Chris Middleton off the team. That's a, Yeah, that's a really good point, Traden. Um, I mean, I think if you take either one of them off the team, they're not in the position that they're in. Fair. Um, it might be, there's, they might just be Batman and Batman, honestly. Like there might just be no Robin they're just Batman and Batman and someone else is Alfred, like whatever. <laughs> um, and it's, I think part of that too, is just their different skill sets. I mean, Giannis driving and going to the rim is pretty much unguardable, but he can't shoot. Like that's never been his forte, but Chris Middleton has the mid range can shoot, sh- can shoot from three, can hit a free throw. But Giannis is just so big, so talented and such a good defender that it might just be that they're the perfect tandem together. And it just, it works out. You know, we've, the last two, three years have not gone well for the Bucks in the playoffs. Sometimes it's luck, and they got injuries, and they've maybe they finally figured it out. Who knows? Um, but so trading, you pretty much said it's it's two to one now. Game game uh, four is tomorrow. You've pretty much said it, it's over. So it's over in five for you. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so Tyler, what do you what do you think? I'm going to go six. I think the Hawks will find a way to grind out one more game. I just, with the way they've been playing. I mean, have they lost consecutive playoff games yet this season? Was that the first time they've done that? I feel like it might be. Um, I'll top my head. I'm not sure, but either way, I just, I just think this team is so well coached. I think they'll get one more, but I, I just don't see the Bucks losing this series. So I'm going to go Bucks and six. Okay. They probably, I think they might've lost two consecutive games in the Sixers series. Because they beat they beat New York in five, so obviously that's impossible yeah. for them to lose two in a row in that one. I'm trying to remember if they, if they lost consecutive against the Sixers. I think they won game one in the Sixers series and then lost games two and three, maybe. From but I I'm not looking at it right now. I think that's what happened. Um, let's move. Okay, so let's move to the Western Conference. Uh, it's currently um, well, it's on a commercial right now, but third third quarter just ended in game four, uh, five, sorry, game five of the Western Conference. Thank you. So yeah, the Clippers are up 91 to 78 going into the fourth quarter of game number five. The Phoenix Suns are up three to one in this series though. Um, I already mentioned it. Kawhi is still out. Um, you know, also Zubox is out in this game, but the Clippers have, they've rallied. They're in Phoenix. Um, they're shooting well. They're playing well. They were out. This has been a weird game. Um, the Clippers were up by as much as like 14 early on and then they kind of lost it and then they got up by double digits again and they lost it and then up by double digits again and then kind of lost it and they're just sort of letting Phoenix hang around um, but this this series has been wild uh, Phoenix won game one they won game two on a lob with like one point something left it was one of the craziest endings of a game I've ever seen also one of the worst endings in a game I've ever seen. 
And we're going to talk about the replay situation in a little bit because it's just, in my mind, it's getting out of hand. Okay, whatever. Going ahead. Three to one. Um, I honestly thought this series was over tonight. I had no faith that the Clippers would pull this off. They look like they're in a good spot right now. Um, you know, luckily Eric's not here to hear this, but the Clippers have not been the best at closing games out in the last couple of years. Um, it's sort of been their big weakness. So, Tyler, let's focus, let's focus on the Clippers for a second. Um, Kawhi's still out. Paul George is playing well, but, I mean, do they, do they, just do they have a chance to come back from 3-1? I mean, they're looking good so far in game five, but, you know, can they win two more and be one of the rare teams to come back 3-1 in the uh, NBA playoffs? You know, in any other, any other year, oh, sorry, was it trade or me? No, you got it. You got it, Tyler. I said Tyler, but I, well, I meant Tyler. I might have said trade him, but Tyler, go ahead. Okay, sorry. Um, and the other year, I, I probably would say no, but this Clippers team has proven so many times that they can come back late in series. Obviously, they've had Kawhi in a lot of those, um, and some of them they haven't. So, but I think this, I, I think I said this last week too, this Suns team is a different beast than what the Clippers have been playing. I don't see the Clippers as of right now being able to win three games in a row against this Phoenix Suns team. I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, obviously, right now they're up by 10. I don't know. I, th- I think there's a good chance Phoenix could come back and, and win this game right here and close it out. I don't see the Clippers winning three games in a row against the Phoenix Suns. I just don't see it. I think the Suns will, t- even if it goes to seven, like the Suns will find a way to win one more game. Trayden, you were going to going to yeah. talk. So what? Same same question. What are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm gonna more or less echo what what Tyler's saying. Um, I think that this Hawks team is playing very well, and I think that I think the Clippers are facing a beast that they're that haven't you know faced yet and i'm gonna say something some hot takey that may put me in jail um <laughs> but but, it may, but okay. steven we we talk about stephen a smith as being you know he's paid to say outlandish things and usually we can just you know just throw it away because he just does it to does it to just does it to do it and then he said something the other i think it was yesterday or today um that kind of made me think um and you know i so i'm thinking um he says that if the clippers lose i guess when the clippers lose that the clippers need to move on from Kawhi leonard and i thought that was absolutely insane but then i thought about it and his reasoning is actually pretty sound and i think they should do it and i'll tell you why because Kawhi leonard is unreliable the guy is one of the, the guy invented the word load management. You don't know if you're, if, if he's going to be playing game to game. And for the longest time, even, even Eric has come on this podcast and said that this, the, the Clippers team have an issue with chemistry, which to me, if they have an issue with chemistry, there's some cultural issue that maybe the team is just not able to overcome. And when you have your best player, who's cradled and coddled, like, it's nobody's business and he's not ready to play game in game out. And you have younger players who I'm not saying that a younger player could outplay Kawhi, but he could, they could maybe outplay them over an 82 game season and on a full playoff season where they're playing every single fucking game. They're hungrier. They want to play. They're not worried about, you know, the load management. I understand the load management worked for Toronto, but you also have to look at who Toronto had. They had, um, uh, Who's the who's the Toronto who's the main Toronto rapper? Give me give me his name. Lowry. Kyle Lowry, who he's the heart and soul of that team. He's ready to play every single game. You have that already. You don't have that here. 
you don't have that here. And I just don't think that it's, it's, it bodes well for the culture of the team. I'm sorry. I think Kawhi is an amazing player. I'm not trying to disrespect him, but guys, you look at the culture side of things and this team hasn't been able to figure it out since he's been on the team. Maybe he's the problem. That's very interesting because I said that same shit like four weeks ago, maybe. I was talking about how when Kawhi won in San Antonio, the culture was Popovich and Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. And then when he won in Toronto, same thing. Kyle Lowry was the heart of that team. Canada was the heart of that team. And Kawhi just had to come in and be a beast. And here he had Paul George, who say what you want about him. He's a great player. Wish, I don't know, wishy-washy maybe is a good way to put it. Very up and down. Um, obviously, playoff Paul was a whole thing in the bubble last year. And, you know, I don't like to judge him too much on the bubble because the mental side of the bubble is incredibly tough on some players. And I don't want to, you know, disparage him on that part. But Kawhi is the dude. Like, as much as Paul George and Pat Bev and, you know, whomever else is on that team, Kawhi is the dude. And you're right. It he might not be the guy that can lead a team. It might just not. It just might, yeah, it just might not be it. And I think basketball, similar to hockey, is, you know, it's so much continued play. It's not like baseball and football where it's play, stop, play, stop, play, stop, where you need a leader on the field. You need that guy. And maybe Kawhi isn't that dude. Um. I also just thought about this while you were talking. What if the Clippers left Los Angeles? Like, maybe they need to go away. Their own arena. Get their own stadium. Get their own fans. Maybe they should just go to Vegas. Just go to Vegas. Be a different team. It does not matter. I mean, unfortunately for Clippers fans, it doesn't matter what you do you're never going to be the Lakers. It just, you're just not going to be them. Like, it doesn't matter. Maybe they should just go away. Just start over it's, in it's Las like, Vegas. It's like, it's like Ottawa trying to be Toronto, right? Ottawa Center is trying exactly. to be Toronto. It's never going to happen, guys. Just yeah. get yeah. over it. I don't know if there's – I mean, a lot of cities have, you know, two of the, of the same sports in their city. I don't know if there's a bigger discrepancy in any of those than the Lakers and Clippers. I, I – you uh, – Probably like, not. I, I was, I was thinking like Yankees and Mets, maybe the Rams and yeah. Chargers, maybe like Yankees and Mets, but even the Mets yeah. have won a World Series. True. Yeah. Like, at least they yeah, have. They like, at least they have one, yeah. and they and they have they yeah. have a pretty long history too. Like the Mets have a storied history, and they're not the Yankees, of course. The Yankees are the one of the most successful sports franchises ever, but at least the Mets have something. Gobs White Sox. Anything. White Sox even, have even, even that one, like like the White Sox yeah, have, have a they couple, to us back. And, the, and the Cubs and the White Sox. I mean, they go way back. Like they're both like, old, and they both had really like eight. Both of them had eighty plus year long yeah. World Series drafts. Yeah, and then well, the same time they both won one this century finally. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's right. a good point. I mean, yeah, maybe like Raider like. Before the Raiders left for Vegas, Raiders Niners could have been another one. It the Raiders, that the Raiders, the Raiders were moved. good, though. The Raiders and the Niners, yeah, have been they, good. they were good. But the Raiders also moved back and forth. Now they've moved now four times, yeah, or three times, I guess. Um, yeah, maybe, 
maybe just Clippers should leave, the A's should leave, and Vegas should just get four four teams in a decade. Why not? Boom. And Vegas can just do their whole their own thing. My, my main thing is, I you know, I, I like Kawhi. I think he's amazing. But you know, I I look at it from a hockey perspective. How am I supposed to go onto a team and look up to whom I I'm supposed to look up where he's he may play this game, he may not. He's always hurt. I'm not I'm not saying that's a problem, but it is a problem. <laughs> Like yeah. I, I just have an issue with that. And it's, you know, and I, that's maybe the hockey mentality in me, but I, I just don't think it's working for him. If they have chemistry issues, I look, I look at the top and that's the top. Yeah. I mean, also if you're a Clippers fan and you're going to a game, NBA tickets are not cheap. They are, especially if you're going to a Los Angeles based NBA game. I mean, Lakers tickets are going to be more expensive than Clippers tickets. Just they are just because they are, but like Clippers tickets are not cheap. If you buy these tickets months in advance and then you hear, oh, well, Kawhi and Paul George are sitting for load management, like how pissed would you be? It just, I would be so fucking mad. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go. Just doesn't look good. Yeah. It's not, it's not a good look. And and I get it. I get it worked for Toronto. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. You also have to see what that, like Canada is built on hard work. That's their culture. Kyle, Kyle Lowry is that kind of a player. Like he's the guy that did that. You don't have a guy here. You need one. Yeah, you don't. You really, yeah, you really don't. I think part of that too, with him coming from like into Toronto was he was coming off a major injury where he had missed the entire or most of the entire previous season. So they could play it off as, well, he's getting his legs back under him, load management, bullshit, whatever. Um, dang. Okay, so well, let's do one more Kawhi thing, and then we'll move on to the Suns. If the Clippers lose this game or lose this series, Kawhi is a buyout uh, player option. Whatever, I can't remember what, whatever the term is. He could be a free agent if he he wants to chooses to chooses to do so. If you're Kawhi Leonard, uh, Tyler. Let's start with you. They lose this series. Are you out? Like, are you done with LA or are you, are you sticking with it? I feel like knowing Kawhi, he probably will leave. As kind of the mentions, as, as the reasons we mentioned, I just don't think he's that kind of guy that's going to stick it out. I think he's had a few years of the Clippers, didn't work out. So I'm going to try and find a team that, you know, maybe has worked for me in the past. And that's going to be better suited for my needs. And I'm going to go somewhere else. This, you know, being the guy here in LA wasn't worth it. You know, the Lakers won a championship while I was here and I didn't, you know, it, it may be time to go somewhere else. Um, that's my hunch. I don't know Kawhi personally. I just feel like from the outside looking in, I, I could see Kawhi walking. Traden. Interesting. I'm taking the other side. Um, I'm not trying to, to put you know, shade on his character. He, he, he's looked at as the guy in, in LA for the LA Clippers. And he likes that he, he's home. He, this is his home is downtown LA. And he doesn't like, he, he's on a team that doesn't care if he's playing, you know, this day or that. I, I think he's not going anywhere if he can help it. I, I don't, I think he's content. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's won his, he won his, his ring. He's, I think he's content and maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, being, maybe I'm being a little too down on him just given the situation and that could be fair. I just, I just, I just think he sticks it out and, and deals with it. And cause you know, he's loving life right now. Um, 
you know, I, that's just my thought. I, I think that might be, that might be a little rude, but we're not here to be nice. So no, <laughs> that's not what this podcast is about. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously super mean to all each other all the time. So yeah. season um, two, we're getting even more mean. Yeah. Good thing James isn't here because I'm pretty sure James would just be lighting me up right now. <laughs> yeah. James, yeah. James can get a little aggressive sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to agree with Trayden. I think he'll stay. Um, I, I just don't know where he would go that like has, I'd have to look into it like that has the cap space to offer him the contract that he, you know, rightfully or unrightfully deserves, however you feel about him. Um, it's, you know, how much would I love to see him team up with Doncic and Dallas? That would be sick. Probably yes. not going to happen. But yeah, that, I, I that think would actually that's make intriguing. Sense. Luca wants yeah. to play every day. New head coach. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you get a Hall of Famer and Jason Kidd as your head coach. You have already. I mean, who wouldn't pick? I mean, I think everyone would pick Luka Doncic over Paul George at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? You going to Texas? Um, Put your cowboy hat on. Yeah. Let's move on from uh, Kawhi and the Clippers. So, a little update. We're um, just past the seven-minute mark, and Phoenix has cut the lead to four. Just so we know, it's 98-94, at least on my screen right now. I'm on another goddamn commercial. On the Phoenix side, Chris Paul might finally make an NBA Finals appearance after, you know, being a 37-year-old. Just let Trey, let's start with you. Thoughts on the Phoenix Suns? Um, He's a free agent, too, I believe, coming out of this year. So thoughts on him in Phoenix um, and, you know, presumably it's kind of looking Phoenix bucks. That's, you know, a little you, you jumping a CP, little bit right? ahead. You said CP. Yeah, CP. Yeah. I believe he's a free agent after this year. Um, just thoughts on Phoenix, what they've done so far in the playoffs, just your, yeah, your overall impression so far. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say they're, they're the Montreal of the, of the league. Cause I think they actually have really yeah. good players. But the difference that I see in this series is they're melding together. And this whole playoffs, they've been melding together. They, they, they completely obliterated the Nuggets just, in, just by sheer coming together and playing basketball as a collective unit. There's no one that is really taking over the scoring of, of the team. It gets pretty close in terms of, your, of, of where you're getting your scoring. It's, it's all coming together because they're willing to play for each other. They're wanting to play for each other. They're playing hard. They're, they're doing the right things. Um, you know, and you know, I, I look at, cause I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they're, they're going to make it. I actually think they're going to win this game, to be honest with you. Um, I look at the next series and I think that they could will their way to beating the bucks. I think that the bucks may have better talent, but I think that they are, they're going to be able to shove that talent up their ass. I like that. Okay. And then, um, Tyler, like four and a half weeks, five weeks ago, something like that, I asked James if Chris Paul was a top five-point guard in the, ever. If he finally does this, is, what is his – even if he makes the finals, if they win, or, you know, and then the same question, like your impression on the, on the Suns so far – 
just I feel like this is like the Chris Paul show kind of at this point, um, other than maybe Devin Booker, but just your impression on the Suns, your impression on Chris Paul, his what this means to his legacy, all that kind of stuff. I think it's huge for Chris Paul. It's actually crazy. You know, every time they say that Chris Paul's never made the finals, that's still like I'm like, really? Like it's just he's been such a huge star in this league for so long that it's hard to believe he's never gotten to that point in his career. Um, so, I mean, there's so many, I feel like every sport has that one player, like every, every couple of years that has been so good for so long and they never, they've never won it all. You just, you want it for him so bad. And I, you know, I, as far as him being a top five point guard in, in ever, um, I still kind of agree with James on that one. I don't know if, I don't know if top five is, is quite there, but I think top 10, probably for sure. If he leads his son's team to a championship, I think for sure top 10. I think there's like as James mentioned, there's so many good point guards in the history of basketball. It's it's hard to really put him in that conversation, um, but he's been one of our generation's top five point guards, 100. Um, percent But and then as far as this Phoenix Suns teams, like you know, not to pat myself on the back or anything, but we had a podcast probably like mid late January where you know I don't know who brought it up or whatever, but I was talking about they, the the Phoenix Suns teams got off to a really good start, and I was looking at the stats and at their, their team stats. And, you know, I, I just like, I kind of fell in love with the Suns team a little bit. And this was, this was back when the Lakers were, you know, still were the favorites to win the Western conference. But I was like, you know what, this Suns team, man, like there's something about them that I like a lot. And I think I said back then, back in January, that I believe that the Suns had a really good shot of winning the Western conference. Um, here they are. So I have to give myself a little bit pound the back on that one. It is recorded. I don't remember what episode it was, but Somewhere in January, I did say that. So um, I have to give myself a, a, a little bit of credit for that. Uh, I don't know. This, this Suns team, just they, they have that, as Trayton said, they just, they're working together so well. And when you see really good just team basketball, like obviously, you know, Booker and Paul, the two stars, but, you know, they're not like, I feel like the NBA is built on these like superstar teams where they, you know, the, the big three or the whatever. And the Suns aren't that. They're just a really great, well-coached, great fundamentally sound basketball team and you love to see I personally love to see that I you know I think it's such a good thing for basketball and I don't know like as much as I hate the Suns and they're you know they're a, a historical rival of the Lakers and but I mean I, I just love the way that they're playing basketball and as a basketball fan I kind of want to see the Suns win it all they're kind of like that um well what I just lost my train of thought damn it but um <laughs> I I wanted to ask you guys really quick Chris Paul's never yeah. So Chris Paul, CP, and Carey Price, CP, we want them to win. Oh damn! Because they've never won before. They're the they're the guys in our hearts that we want to win. Hey, CPs, right there. CP, the year of CP. C- yeah, Chris Paul is probably a little less likable than Carey Price. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. He's not like he's known for being kind of a hard ass like teammate. Uh, but I I see what you mean. Um, uh, oh, one, uh, this is what I was going to say. So you, I don't, okay, correct me if I'm off base, but the Spurs teams of the early oddies, right? The tens, like the mid tens, that team didn't really have an amazing superstar, but they were built really strong, right? Like they were, they were the same way, uh, right? I don't know. Duncan, Ginobili, Parker. No, nah, like... Duncan's prop. Duncan was a superstar. Yeah. I mean, he's probably a top two or three power forward of all time. Yeah. He kind of goes a little 
it's a little quiet. I think it's because his demeanor was so mellow compared to like Kobe and LeBron and MJ and all these guys. But Tim Duncan was the star of that team for sure. I'm just trying to see if there's an, an equivalent to the type of makeup, but maybe not. Maybe I'm off base. Yeah. I'd have to think about it. I'm sure, I'm sure there is. I just feel like in recent memory, we had we had these, you know, these LeBron teams and these, you know, Steph Curry teams. It's just like it's these teams that are just stacked, right? The Suns aren't stacked. They they're just they got two great great stars in Booker and, and, and Paul, and really no one else that I would consider a star. Like you know what I mean? It's just and I just feel like more like even the Clippers I feel like are more star stacked than the Suns are, but the Suns are just a better basketball team. Fair enough. I don't know. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Fair enough. I, yeah, I would agree. Okay. We have to talk about the last, last thing I want to talk about is the replays, the stoppage at the end of these basketball games. Traded, I know, I'm not sure how much you've seen at the end of these games. So if you don't have anything to add, feel, you know, don't worry about it. But like specifically in game two of this Western Conference Finals. I think there were five five reviews. It was literally every play. They stopped and reviewed a foul or an out-of-bounds or whatever it was. And the last – I mean, there's it's always been a, a thing with the NBA where the joke is the last two minutes of an NBA game takes 15 real, real-time minutes because it's just timeout, timeout, review, review, timeout, foul, 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 timeout free throw, free throw, foul, you know, all this bullshit. Basketball, like I was mentioning earlier, is the most similar to hockey where it is a continuous flow. You don't, I mean, you know, obviously when they switch out players, they stop unlike hockey. But baseball and football, it's you throw a pitch, something happens, you do it again. Football, you do a play, stop, do it again. These reviews are in my mind, just killing the end of these basketball games. I mean, it's it's like you sit there for 20 minutes and you see 45 seconds of playtime. It's brutal. I don't know, Tyler. I don't know how what your thoughts on these are. I know I didn't like you know ask you guys about this ahead of time, but what what are your thoughts on the end of? I feel like it's changed a lot from when we were kids. Mm-hmm. I don't, and you know, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I hate it. I mean, I, the, the last two minutes of a close basketball game is one of the worst sporting event you can ever watch in your life. Like, I absolutely hate it. In the hockey, the last two minutes of a close game are one of the best two minutes of sports you can ever watch in your life. Because there's not these constant just stop, replay, watch what happens. You know, like as you just mentioned, it's so much stoppage and it just ruins the whole flow and the excitement of everything. Like, honestly, like a lot of times... If it's a close game, I'll just turn and watch. I'll, I'll watch. I'd rather watch a, a 12 nothing baseball game where at least I know the consistency of, of, the, of the flow of it than watch the last two minutes. I'll just, just tell me who won. Like, because it just takes so long and it drags out. And I don't know, for me, like, I, I just want to see these guys play it through. I think basketball has gotten to this point where it's like you're trying to be so perfect with every little detail and as I, th- I think a lot of people just think that NBA has gotten soft with both players and both just like the, the referees. And, and I don't know, I, I just want to see him play. I, 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 I've mentioned this podcast before. Like, I think that the NBA should just get rid of free throws in general. I think free throws are stupid. I mean, that's a really extreme view, but I, I hate free throws. 
I hate how much of timeouts basketball has. It just, for me, it ruins the game in the last, you know, little bit, which should be the best part of any sport you watch. If it's a close game, the last 10 minutes of it or whatever it is, the last little bit should be the most exciting part for me for basketball. It's the worst part. And that's not good. That's yeah. my opinion, but that's how I see it. And I feel like I'm obviously I watch a lot of sports and I try and be as unbiased and I just take it in as possible. But I hate the last two minutes of a close basketball game. It is one of my biggest pet peeves in all sports. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen that cause I haven't watched much, but I mean, just, I mean, I can, anecdotally say that i've been I've watched some games and they those last two minutes are excruciating yeah. and and the game already i already have a tough time with the game because of the fouls and it's just amplified in that last two minutes and you're absolutely right tyler the final two games of any sporting event or as two minutes of any sporting event should be the most exciting there's a two minute warning in football and we're all excited about each half because yeah. you know they're usually in a position where there's like a big play that could you know, turn the tide of the game in hockey. There's usually a goalie that, that comes out of the, out of the net and it becomes a, an onslaught for, for one team. And it just becomes so exciting. And, you know, basketball is the exact opposite of that. And what's worrisome. And if, if I was the NBA, I'd be worried because we're, we're that, you know, these new, this younger generation is coming in and we have lower, we're getting lower and lower attention spans. Like, like they're getting shorter and shorter and shorter and we just won't tolerate it. Like Tyler, you just said that you'd rather watch a 12-0 baseball game. I would rather tear my eyes out than watch either of those. <laughs> I just don't have the time for that. And we don't have the time for that. And NBA needs to think about that because, you know, there's going to be a time where we're old and we're going to, you know, we're going to die. And there's going to be, you know, we're the, 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 we could be the final major watchers of all these sports. And t- Tyler, you know, what's interesting. And Alex, hockey's getting that way too. There's issues there too. And I think we're getting, we're trying to create it. We're trying to create it in this. They're trying to create this digital game that everything needs to be so perfect. And it's take, it's, it's also opening up another can of issues that, you know, you're taking the human element out of the game too. Right. So, you know, I agree with you. Like it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery, slippery slope. Yeah. The best part about all of this is as we were talking about this, they were in a review during the yep. <laughs> and for a time, which was probably like five minutes of banter. Yeah. They, were in that review. they played zero basketball the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The ent- since I started talking about this, they yeah. played, yeah, they've maybe played it's just about now 15 inbounded. seconds. It's just now inbound. Yeah. So it's, uh, God, it's, Stupid. I, I agree. I think, I don't, I don't know how they'd get rid of free throws. But do it. The, I'm gonna clear my own foul. Way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the the fouls are getting out of hand. The I'm gonna call it the the James Harden, whatever. Uh, the trying to get fouls all the time is something the NBA needs to look at. I mean, we see we've talked about it in baseball all the time how they're trying to update the game to reach a younger crowd. The NBA, you know, I've heard has lower and lower ratings every year. They're going to need to change something because it comes down to every single play gets at the end, the last, you know, almost now it's like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. If the, if it's within like 10 points, every play is a stoppage. Like to put it in perspective for like football, it would be the last, you know, the last five minutes of ever. You know, whoever it is, they, they run a play. Okay, wait, hold on. We got to stop. Did somebody hold there? 
was that a where where exactly was he was did he end up on the 32 yard line or the 33 yard line it's it's getting out of hand and they need to change it i'm it's getting hard to watch at the end of these games the the major issue though with football the major difference is in basketball we're talking about a foul which is potentially two points potentially zero points in football the the play could be a touchdown like that makes sense right we're talking about a foul at five minutes left. Who get, like does anybody really give a shit? Like it's two points, guys. Like what? Do we, like, I know they add up, but Jesus Christ! We, actually, when we were talking, there was another like potential foul that they. That I saw the replay probably five times. Like I'm over it. Yeah, I'm over it. Yeah, everything it takes too long. I don't know if the NBA is just like who cares because every single time one of these things happens, they get a commercial, which means the NBA makes money off of you know carmax or facebook or like whatever ones i'm watching right now that i don't give a shit about yeah um so maybe the nba just doesn't care because they're like whatever every time there's a foul we go to commercial break and we're just racking in money yeah but from a fan perspective i mean growing up basketball is my second favorite sport it was baseball and basketball and i didn't really get into hockey or football until much later on like when i got a little bit older and now basketball is probably my fourth which is sad. it's just it's hard to watch guy. it's just yeah <laughs> like i love I, I love watching these playoffs i've watched a lot of these playoff games i watched a lot, a lot of laker games during the season but like especially in Western, i've just been like oh my god hurry up like it's just it's brutal yeah okay tell i'm done i feel like that ends up being a really long basketball yeah. segment that's all hey. good you know sometimes yeah. you yeah. just get let out all the bad shit yeah just you know but, I agree with uh, yeah, you. I'm done. I just, I just, I don't like it either. So, um, but obviously, we're going to keep a good close eye on both of these series. Uh, it's will be a fairly really one of the most interesting NBA seasons we've had in a very long time. So, oh, definitely. Um, so we'll look forward to that because we sit right now. There's about two and a half minutes left, and the Clippers are up by 14. So it's looking like the Clippers will live to fight another day. Um, so we'll keep looking on both of those series, and we we will see what happens. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna just talk about a couple little baseball things real quick. Um, so stick around, and we'll finish off with some baseball. Welcome back, everybody. We're finishing off. Uh, the first episode of season two here with some baseball talk. I'm a, usually I do oh damn segments. I got a, you know a bunch of different ones, but I'm gonna just to stick to two real quick ones. Um, one of them I'm gonna start off is I'm actually gonna talk about some college baseball real quick. I mean the biggest one of the biggest sports stories in the last week has been about the College World Series and about North Carolina State. Um, they were disqualified from the College World Series um, for a bunch of their players testing positive for COVID. Um, it's been a really huge controversial decision. Um, basically what happened is prior to their final four matchup against Vanderbilt. Um, so basically, you know, the, the college world series is kind of a two game el- el- elimination type bracket. NC state had already won their first two. So all they needed to do was win one more game to advance to the final. Um, so they're playing Vanderbilt who, you know, was one of the you know uh, favorite schools to win, and right before that game started, a bunch of their players tested positive, so they had to put them in the protocol. The over the NC State ended up with only thirteen players 
on their rosters. And put that into perspective, usually college baseball teams have about 25 to 30 ish players. Um, so basically over half of their team or about half their team was in COVID protocol, but they still played the game and NC state held their own. Um, they, you know, played against uh, one of the top pitching prospects in the country right now, Kumar Rocker, which by the way, one of the greatest names I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and they only lost, they, they lost the game three to one. Right. So, but they lost, but because they had won the previous two, they still had another chance to beat Vanderbilt to go to the final that night or, or, or early that next morning, the NCAA decided to disqualify NC State um, because they didn't have enough players and because they felt, you know, the health and safety of the players was paramount. Um, so they disqualified NC State, which mean, meant that Vanderbilt advanced to the final, um, which got a lot of blowback. And also to put in perspective, the, N- the NCAA has allowed the um, College World Series, which is, which is in Omaha, Nebraska, fans are allowed in full capacity. There's no restrictions on masks, no restrictions on vaccinations, nothing. So it's been a huge controversy. Um, so Alex, I want to start off with you. I'm sure you've, I, mean, I feel like everyone that in the sports world has heard about the story. I don't think anyone agrees with what the NCAA decided, but just what are your thoughts on this? You know, and you know, you disagree or, or agree with what NCAA did, but yeah, what do you got? I disagree. I mean, it's, I, I understand where they're coming from, where the NCAA is coming from. Like they have to protect their student athletes. Um, but from what I understand, not, I think it was six or seven of them actually tested positive. And then the other six or seven were contract tracing. Um, so I'm not sure, or contact tracing, sorry. I'm not sure why, they couldn't test those other people that were, you know, the contact trace tracing players and, you know, do a rapid test or whatever. And if they tested negative, why they then couldn't play in that game that eventually was disqualified. Don't understand that point. Um, don't understand why the entire stadium could be filled with, you know, fucking whoever, but this, this team that, you know, fought to get all the way here, just got destroyed. And it's just another another thing that NCAA just does wrong. Like, just the worst, like, governing body in sports. Like, they're just a garbage, garbage thing. So, you know, and for those kids, like, this might be their only shot. The College World Series is really hard to get to. Um, I feel so bad for them. And on Vanderbilt's side, like, I don't know, maybe, like, choose not to play that day and let, you know, let the time frame kind of go out. And, you know, you want to beat the best. You want to beat every, you know, I don't It's It's shitty. I, I feel so bad for them. And I wish there was a different solution. Um, but, yeah, they, they fucked up. That's just the end. They, they fucked up. That's the end of it. Trading, what do you got on this? How much more to say? Um, I think, you know, besides the fan thing, I think my biggest issue is, you know, the NCAA has a rule that says if your team is fully vaccinated, you're not going to be tested. And the, the uh, NC State individuals were only tested because their unvaccinated counterparts tested positive. And then the vaccinated tested positive because they, they, the, the NCAA made them 
made everyone test because there was a mini outbreak or whatever. And newsflash, guys, the, you may get a positive test if you have the vaccine. Okay, the vaccine's not meant to completely take out cases. If if you thought that was going to be the case, you you clearly aren't paying attention because it's not that's not the point. I'm not going to get into that. We're not going to get into the science. I don't want to get into that. However, I do have an issue with the, the the rule that the way it is. But we clearly know that you can get you can test positive if you have the vaccine, and the entire Vanderbilt team is I believe is vaccinated. And with with the stats that came out on NC State, I would be I would be willing to put money on the fact that there are some positive Vanderbilt players playing together. And they're never going to be tested because they don't need to be because they're fully vaccinated. Like I just see an issue with that. I, I just, it's just like yeah, it's just, just kind of weird. It, it, there's a lot of things, you know, um, you know, from the from the government side down to the the, the NHL side, NBA side, and now the NCAA side that the the, the, the protocols are a little bit questionable and this is just another one of, of them. Um, you know, I, I, it just, you know, I, I know the protocols have to be in, in place, but it just seems kind of, they weren't well thought out. And now NC and now NC state has to pay the price. And it's sad because I believe they haven't won since 1984 or five or something like that. They have yeah, NC, NC state might've, that's my, my last time they went to a college world series, but they've never won a national title. There you go. And they were in prime position to do that. Yeah. Uh, to upset. I mean, they've been doing that this all tournament long. You know, I know a lot of people probably don't pay attention to college, college baseball, but um, the college world series is basically, it starts with the elite eight, but they do the same thing as college basketball where it's, you know, it's this field of whatever the original is 60, whatever. Um, and they play regionals and then whoever wins that regional goes to the college world series and it's elite eight and it goes from there. And NC state was, is not a ranked team. They were, I, I think, the only ranked team in, in, the, in, the, in the Final Four, only unranked team in, in, in the Final Four. And they were playing great baseball. And what I don't understand about this, you know, COVID protocols, whatever, is even though they had half their team in COVID protocols, they still let them play that day against Vanderbilt with 13 players, which is hardly, it's, you know, but that's still enough to play a baseball game. Why not let them do it again? That's yeah. why I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, that, that part doesn't make any sense. Or push the game back, and who knows if they were false positives. Like, push yeah. the game back. Like, at least let them try. I mean, NC State may not have won that game, but at least let them fucking try to win the baseball game with 13 players. Yeah. And they've gotten this far for a reason. They beat Van, They beat the top pitching prospect in the country in Jack Weider in their first game against Vanderbilt. They held their own against Kuma Rocker, the second top prospect in, in college baseball. Like they're, they were going to play Vanderbilt's, well, I think probably lighter would have pitched that next game, but either way, like, you know, NC state was playing so well. And the fact that the NC just said, Nope, to me, there's, I feel there's no rhyme reason for it. And I, I, I feel for the players. I feel for the, the coaching staff, the fans for NC state, honestly, like the college world series final started today. I'm not even watching it because yeah. I just, I'm so upset about the whole thing that, I don't know. I just, I don't really care too much about how about, it. How about the NCAA letting them know at 1 a.m. after that? Yeah, their- especially right. like, yeah, release that at, at freaking 1 a.m. The guys are sleeping after a game. Yeah, you wake up next morning and by the way, your season's <laughs> what the over. Fuck, guys, come on. And yeah. you know what? And you know what's stupid is every single NC State guy could stay and watch the game. Yeah, none of it makes sense. It's it they're is, not gonna, but they can. The, it is the definition of hypocrisy, and it just it's zero sense. I understand if they had eight players 
Like, obviously, yeah, I probably can't play with eight players. But if you got nine guys, throw them out there and see what throw happens. Let them, let them try. Fuck it. Like, if they lose 13 to one because okay. their first baseman has to pitch, fucking fine. At least they give, they, at least they tried, right? At least they got to yeah, play their done. final game of the season, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. I think it was just a horrible decision in every aspect. I understand the health and safety part of it. But it really doesn't make any sense, like because I don't think there was really any kind of danger with letting them play it at all. So it just it's all stupid. But let us know what you guys think. Um, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. So uh, moving on to my uh, second topic, uh, the MLB All Star Game is happening, which is super fun. Like I think the MLB All Star Game is one of the best All Star events in sports. Um, and what's cool, you know, the the fans get to vote for the uh, starters of the All Star Game. So. Um, MLB released their finalists for each position for both the American League and the National League. Um, the voting for the uh, starter, the starters, run this week. So it's, it started today and it runs through Thursday, and they will announce the starters of the All Star Game on Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. So tune in that if you're interested for that. And the All Star Game, of course, will be this year in Colorado. Um, so real quick, um, we're gonna go we're gonna go position by position. And I'm going to rank it. So there's a finalist, the top three finalists for each position. Um, so I'm going to go through each one and we're just going to ask the boys, like, you know, do you see the, the top guy getting in? Do you think someone else should get in? Who do you think deserves that starting? Right. This is remember, this is for the starting player. The other players will probably get in for backup roles, um, but that's to be decided by coaches and the committee that selects everyone else. But the fans get to decide this one. So that's going to be kind of more fun. So we'll start with catcher. We'll start with the American League. Uh, currently in first place is Salvador Perez of the Royals and second place, Mar- Martin Maldonado, Maldonado of, the, of the Astros. And the third is Yasmani Grandal of the, of the Chicago White Sox. Um, so I'll start with you. How do you like those picks? Do you think that should stay? What do you got? Yeah. Salvador Perez is probably the best catcher in the American league. Um, the Royals started out strong, kind of faded a little bit, but he's having a great season. Um, Yes, Bonnie, you know, good player, not having like the best season. American League catcher is a little weak, so Salvador Perez is the guy. Trading, what do you got on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the easiest of the the many that we're going to go through. Yeah, Perez, pretty solid choice. He's been, he's kind of like, I feel like catchers in general in both leagues just have this kind of history of just being, it's like, I feel like there's like one all star starter catcher for like five or six years in a row. And they kind of hold that spot just because catching is such a it's so hard to be good at that position for a long period of time. So I think Perez has deserved that in the American League. Moving on to the National League, uh, in first place, Buster Posey of the Giants is in first. Uh, Yadier Merlina of the St. Louis Cardinals is in second. And Wilson Contreras of the Cubs is in third. Um, Alex, what do you got on the National League catcher? Yeah, apparently Buster Posey, um, or, you know, and Yadi Molina, it's 2012 again. Yeah. We've just gone backwards in time. Yeah. Um, but Buster Posey, resurgent year, had you know had the time off last year after opting out. Giants are in first place. I feel like he's the guy, and, you know, good for him. Yeah, Traden, uh, potentially Posey might be the only National League starter for the first place best team in baseball currently. Giants, obviously, I'm assuming you're going with Posey there. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the more Giants that can get in there, the more just pokes at you guys. So Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that, uh, with the finalists, the Astros, unfortunately, lead all the baseball. With They have seven finalists. Um, and then the Dodgers, Cubs, and Blue Jays 
are tied for second for five total players. Just little stats out there for kicks and gigs. Uh, moving on to the first base position in the American League, and first is, Vlad, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, second place is Yuli Gurriel of the Astros, and in third, the former AL MVP Jose Abreu of the White Sox. I think this one's pretty easy. I don't. Do you guys disagree? I mean, Vladdy, it's pretty hands down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Vladdy. We don't even yeah. talk about it. We don't. Uh, moving on to the National League, uh, we got Max Muncy of the Dodgers in first. Uh, in second place, the former MVP Freddie Freeman, and then third, Anthony Rizzo. This is an interesting one because I feel like there's, you know, those those are all very, very good uh, players. I think any one of them um, could potentially deserve it. But I feel like Max Muncy, I think, you know, honestly, non-biased, probably the best of those three so far this season. Trading, what do you got on that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of wiping the floor. <laughs> yeah. 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 Alex, do you agree? Yeah. Freeman's having a down year. Um, you know, Rizzo's always been a good player, but Muncy's been the best player on that Dodgers team. He's gone through a lot of injuries and – yeah, you know, he kind of kept that afloat. I think he's the he should get the start for sure. Uh, moving on to second in the American League, we got in first place Marcus Simeon of the Blue Jays, in second Jose Abreu of the Astros, and in third DJ LeMahieu of the New York Yankees. Uh, again, I think this one's I think this one might be pretty close. Um, without the stats in front of me, I think Altuve and Simeon um, I think are pretty close. I think that one might be one of the few that actually I think might flip. Um, but Alex, what do you think? It could flip. I do think it should be Marcus Simeon. Um, Tyler, I've heard you know his cousin. I do. Um, his sister. His, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, his sister. I know his my sister, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Marcus Simeon has a great first year in Toronto, and I, I think he should be a starter. Also, I'm just fuck out too, so. Yeah, very true. I don't want any Astros, but it is what it is. Traden. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I agree with you guys there. <laughs> Not much to say. Yeah. Uh, second base in the National League, Ozzie Albies, Adam Frazier, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Gavin Lux of the Dodgers. In my opinion, I think Adam Frazier should be the, the starting second baseman. I think Albies is having a good year, but I, Frazier, I believe, leads the National League in hits. I believe that is I think true. So. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you you're lead- right. I think if you if if you lead the National League in hits, you should be starting the All Star game. But what do you guys think? Yeah, especially with baseball, where you and just like hockey, where you have to have, um, you know, every team has to have a representative. This kind of feels like the Pirate guy. Just, well, there you go. Um, I mean, he might be on a different team if the trade rumors are proved to be right. So true. That has saying, that has uh, happened. Yeah, Adam Frazier. That has happened before, where the guy gets traded, but plays like gets traded from the NL to the AL. But so he's currently an AL player, but will be an NL All Star. What? Because yeah. he's played wow. mo- like he got voted in as a na- like you know majority of his games is nationally. Maybe player. we'll see that again. And and in, maybe you know, don't they usually wear a patch with their logo? Maybe they'll like half it. Like pirates and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, moving on to shortstop, shortstop is always one of the most deepest positions, especially lately. There's so much good young young talent at shortstop. So in the American League, we got Xander Bogarts currently in first of the Red Sox. We got Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays in second, and ugh, Carlos Correa of the Astros in third. Unfortunately, um, I mean, again, really good three. Three really great choices, but I think that the fans have voted correctly so far. Alex, what do you got on the American League shortstop? Yeah, 
I think it's I think it should be Xander, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if this is one that flips and Correa actually ends up being the uh, the starter. I really hope not. Trading what do you got on this one? Yeah, I I think that Xander may be um, underrated at times, so maybe this is his time to shine. Yeah, I don't believe Xander. I think he has been an All Star once, but I don't. I for sure he probably hasn't started. So. I like seeing guys that never started before, and fuck Carlos Correa, dude. Fuck that guy. I don't want to see him. <laughs> uh, in the National League, got for, for, for now Tatis Jr. in first place, of course. Uh, then you got Javier Baez in second, uh, which I that guy is always there, but I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if he's ever like quite an All Star quite season. And then you got Brandon Crawford. You know, again, one of those Giants resurgence, um, who I believe probably should be ahead of Baez in this in this current ranking. But I believe we all agree, probably kind of similar to. Uh, uh, Vladdy Jr., that Tatis Jr. is a pretty clear-cut favorite here at shortstop. Agreed? Yeah, agreed. I would just love to see Brandon in there just to get sick you guys anymore. I actually disagree. I think Crawford should start. Oh. Um, he's having a resurgent year. He's still a legitimate defensive player, and Tatis leads uh, the majors in errors, I think. Hmm. Um, I, I, as great as Fernando Tatis is, I think Brandon Crawford's having a better overall year. I'm, I'm actually going to. I'm actually. I'm going to give it to Crawford. Yeah, MLB yeah. wants Tatis in there. So. Oh, 100. Yeah. percent He's the more marketable. <laughs> he's the more marketable player. He's probably the better player overall in general. But I think Crawford is having a better overall first half. As amazing as Tatis has been, Crawford's really not that far behind offensively. And his defense is head and shoulders above what Tatis is doing. I agree. I, I think Crawford will obviously, I think for sure, be in the All Star game. But I think Tatis is going to start. He's just one of the most popular players, if not the most popular player, player base right now. Yeah. And since it's a fan vote, I mean, yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, so moving on to the last outfield position, third base in the American League, We've got Rafael Devers of the Red Sox in first, Alex Bregman of the Astros in second, and Johan Moncada of the White Sox in third. This is another one where I feel like it's pretty close. Um, I feel like this might be one of those that flip as well. Um, but I like Devers there. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm going Devers. Bregman is hurt right now, too. Um, I don't think Moncada is having that good of a season. I'm going to go Devers. Yeah. Ditto. So we're going to have a all Red Sox left infield, hopefully. Uh, and then Ashley got Chris Bryant is currently in first of the Cubs. Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals in uh, second and Alex is doppelganger, Justin Turner currently in third of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Obviously you guys know where I'm going to be. I think Justin Turner, he's been one of those guys that have been so good for so long. He's only made the all-star game one time. And that was really by last minute fan vote. And he's kind of had this curse of where he's just been in the national league that have had so many good first base or third basemen, particularly those top two, Chris Bryant and uh, Nolan Arenado. Um, Chris Bryant started off the season very well. The last couple of months has not been that good. Nolan Arnold has been very up and down. I think Justin Turner, to make my case for Justin Turner, has been probably the most consistent of those three. And I just love Justin Turner. But, Alex, what do you think? I think I'm going to go Arenado on this one. Um, I think JT started off the season really great and then has sort of plateaued a bit. And my problem with Chris Bryant is, like, he plays all over the field now for the Cubs. He isn't, his primary position is not third really anymore. Um, and 
as you know, as much as I don't like the Cardinals and Arenado play for the Rockies and like, you know, rivals of the Dodgers, he's had a great season in his first year away from Colorado and has kind of hushed the whole can you hit outside of the Coors Field bullshit. So I think I'm going to go Arenado. Um, he just seems like a fun dude too. So as much as I love JT, obviously, but yeah. Uh, Traden, do you, do you, do you like JT there? Or just... I like Alex Martyr. I mean, Justin Turner. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah. um, Evan Longoria is getting snubbed though. Mm-hmm. It's just another giant, but yeah, that's only because he's a giant. <laughs> well, I feel like we're, we're all a little biased there at there, except for me, Alex I well, had the best, uh, non I was trying to, there. I was trying to be unbiased. <laughs> yeah. I think you did a good job. <laughs> all right moving on to the outfield so this one's just a gen it's just top three outfielders not specific to you know right center left or whatever um so we got the top nine vote getters in the national for the american league is mike trout of course the angels aaron judge the yankees uh, byron bucks and the twins uh michael brantley of the astros uh ed Rolas garcia the, the rangers uh teoscar hernandez of the blue jays cedric mullins of the orioles Alex Verdugo of the Red Sox and Randall Gritchick of the Blue Jays. Um, obviously, Mike Trout's probably not going to be playing due to injury, so that'll probably leave one of those top three spots out there. Um, so, assuming Trout's not going to be playing, who do you think grabs that third spot of those top nine? Alex, I'll start with you. So I'm going to go Aaron Judge. Um, let's see, Cedric Mullins. I think is having a a great year and deserves some recognition. Um, and then who's the third, who's the third guy like in the top three? Uh, Buxton. I'll probably go with him. He got hurt for a little bit, was having, but was having just a crazy year to start and then has come back and it's also had a started well. So I'm going to go judge Buxton, Cedric Mullins. Yeah. I, I think Mullins is one of those most underrated guys. He's just, He's on the Orioles, so no one fucking knows who plays for the Orioles. But he's having a fantastic season. Definitely deserves to, to deserves to be there. Trading, what do you got? I got Judge Garcia and Brantley. Um, Buxton plays for the Twins, and the Minnesota Twins suck. So no. <laughs> yeah, we all know how you feel about the Twins. Um, I like seeing Verdugo in there. Uh, I think he's one of those players. He obviously was part of that Mookie Betts deal. Uh, I loved him as a Dodger player. He was, you know, as, I love Mookie Betts. Um, but I was really bummed to see Verdugo go. I think he's a super exciting, fun player to watch. I would love to see Verdugo start. So I'm, I know I'm going to be, be voting Verdugo to kind of sneak in that third spot. But he's currently in eighth, so I don't know if that happened. But we'll see. Uh, moving on to the National League outfield side, we got Ronald Acuna Jr. in first, Nick Castellanos of the Reds in second, Jesse Winker also of the Reds in third, Mookie Betts is in fourth, uh, followed by Chris Taylor also of the Dodgers in fifth. Uh, Juan Soto of the Nationals in sixth, Bryce Harper of the Phillies in seventh, Jock Peterson of the Cubs in eighth, and Mike Yastrzemski of the Giants in ninth. A lot of really good outfield talent in the National League. That, that's just all talent all, all up and down there. Um, so, Alex, what do you got on the National League outfield? Do you like those top three? Who else should be in there? Who shouldn't? What do you got? Yeah, I think it should be the top. I mean, again, being as unbiased as I possibly can, I think it should be those top three. Um, they are all having just incredible seasons. Um, I think Castellanos and Winker are both still hitting above like 330 right now. They're having insane years. Um, Chris Taylor should probably be number four. He's had a better season than Mookie Betts. Um, and if Chris Taylor doesn't make it as an alternate, it's a 
shame because he's probably been the Dodgers' second best player after Max Muncy this year. For sure, yeah. Chris, I want to see Chris Taylor. I think he will for sure make the All-Star game. Um, I'm not saying that just because that's my girlfriend's favorite player and she's sitting right next to me looking at me right now. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So Chris Taylor needs to be in the All-Star game. I think he will. I don't think he'll be a starter, but I think he'll be in there. But I agree with you. I think that top three, those top three players have just been playing so well. I do – be not, totally non-biased. Mookie Betts at four is really high. He has not had an All-Star season um, compared to his standards. So – I'm a little surprised he's that high, but I think that's just because he's a fan favorite and everyone loves Mookie, which I get because he's a great guy. But Traden, what do you got? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to throw names. Uh, Acuna Jr., Chris Taylor, and Yastrzemski. It's another giant. <laughs> Why not, right? Just go all Giants. The whole Giants team should be the whole Giants team. <laughs> yeah. All right, last one, and it's only the American League, which is the DH. Oh. Uh, we got Shohei Otani. Currently in first, the Angels, J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox in second, and Jordan Alvarez of the Astros in third. I mean, Shohei, right? I mean, that's another one I think it's pretty solid. Shohei's got to be in there. And he might even start as the pitcher for the American League. What do you guys think? I think you should go to prison if you vote for the other two. Yeah. Do you think Shohei should start the the All-Star game and be the DH? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And be like, you might, like, like he's doing Shohei show. Showtime. You might as well. Yeah. Alex, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, the Angels are 10 games. They're, they're 10 games out. They're not going to make the playoffs again. You know, sorry, Angels fans. It's not going to happen. Shohei is the best thing to happen to your franchise since Mike Trout. Yeah. He should be the – he should lead off as the DH and start. And then inevitably what will happen because life sucks is he'll get hurt doing that and then everyone will <laughs> fucking shit – everywhere because they're like why did he do that blah, blah, blah. i'm like who cares the angels are terrible they're not gonna make playoffs anyway oh man yeah no i'm i agree i think shohei should be in there as much as possible uh but yeah so that's that's all we got for the all-stars so tune in to uh, thursday they'll, they'll announce the starters and make sure you guys vote it's pretty fun it's a cool thing that will be does you get to vote on, on on the starters so if you disagree with any of those rankings you know get in and vote and vote and and uh vote for your favorite players let's get the least amount of astros in there as possible please though yeah Just, uh, let's, not, let's not do that. Um, we can agree on that. Yeah, we, got, we, 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 can all, we can all agree on that one. Uh, so that's all we got here for episode 53 of TLDR Podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with the full crew. Um, so so we, we'll see there. Next week will be right after 4th of July. So uh, hopefully everyone has a safe 4th of July weekend coming up here. And we will see you next week. Have a great day.